from playing 18 to a full 60. Early leads to buzzer beaters. It all starts by getting on the board. Welcome inside episode 58 of On the Board. I'm Colby McKee. Out there in the stratosphere, Lance Dahl is with us. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great, buddy. How are you doing? Swell. I am swell. Glad to hear. Also on the line tonight, Corey Bacoskis is here. I am also swell. Good to hear, man. It's been an eventful last couple weeks in the sports world. Uh, we weren't able to get on the line last week, but we got a lot to catch up on. Uh, starting off in the NBA, uh, breaking news, gentlemen, within the last hour or so, the Houston Rockets were in talks about making some Major moves regarding James Harden, potentially Russell Westbrook. And tonight, Westbrook got his wish. He's on his way to the Washington Wizards for John Wall and a protected 2023 first-round pick. My initial thoughts on this, the Wizards get better. We haven't seen John Wall in almost two years because of his knee injury. And apparently, the Rockets' standpoint is they're keeping Harden. They're going to try to be competitive this year, but I'm not sure how successful that's going to be. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, I was just kind of surprised that it took Wall and a, like a first. I mean, maybe I just had different memories of John Wall, but like I, I would have thought, you know, a couple seconds could have got the job done and then you don't have to sacrifice the first. But I mean, at the end of the day, they're getting better, right? Like you said, they're going to be better than than they were before the Wizards will be anyway. Yeah, I agree. I thought Wall was better. I don't know, back in like NBA 2K16, he had a pretty good overall, so I was like, (laughs) damn. That was good. But uh, was that a direct quote from the Houston Rockets saying they're going to be competitive? Because they've been competitive like every year. It's we keep talking about it. It's almost every week that we talk about it. They just, they got to get over that hump. They got to try something different. Like, I hope they're not just settling for competitive now. Yeah, no, that was a quote uh, right from uh, the athletic Sham Sharania that uh, inside sources with the Rockets were saying that they have no plans to trade Harden, not even at the trade deadline. They're going to keep going on with Harden being the main focal point again. And again, like we talked about in the last couple pods, this is now the third failed experiment with a superstar around Harden, going back to Dwight Howard and Chris Paul and now Russell Westbrook. And yeah, to the to the John Wall side of things, like at his best, he's a 2010 uh, very dynamic, very fast player. That can, He's probably one of the arguably the fastest guys with the basketball in his hands. But, you know, two knee surgeries later, what do you expect from a guy like John Wall entering kind of the exit of his prime years. I mean, you got Westbrook as well with his own injury woes, but it's going to be very interesting to see where the Wizards stand in the bottom of the Eastern Conference now with Westbrook and a guy like Bradley Beal, who had the lead role all last year, now gets to play. Is he going to be second fiddle? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure, honestly. (laughs) I don't really have much more to add, to to be completely (laughs) honest, because it's it's one of those things where you don't really know how it's going to go. I mean... If healthy, then like Wall's going to be really good for Houston, but they're just kind of marred in mediocrity, aren't they? Yeah. They kind of are. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, I think the Wizards look solid now, right? Like, I mean, the Eastern yeah. Conference isn't as good as the West, obviously. Um, so, I mean, the Wizards have a point guard that can actually play consistently. Obviously, you talk about the, the Wall injuries. Um, so, you know, they might have the best one two punch in the East right now trying to think of a team that would have a better one like i mean you start with the backcourt they 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 look not too bad going into next season yeah i mean they thought they had that when they had wall and beal they arguably were one of the best backcourts in the east for many years even going back to lowry and DeRozan with the raps and i think nowadays i mean you look at uh milwaukee with Giannis, and they just picked up drew holiday that's a pretty good tandem boston's got a great backcourt and on all those teams have some pretty deadly firepower uh, in the backcourt. But we'll, we'll transition off of that trade. We'll see how that pans out uh, whenever the season gets underway because that's another point of contention. But uh, the NBA draft happened now almost two weeks ago, I think to the day. It was like on a Wednesday. And uh, Anthony Edwards, we talked about LaMelo Ball going number one to Minnesota, but Anthony Edwards goes one. Uh, Wiseman, like we all thought, going to Golden State, they need a big guy, a, a rim runner. Uh, especially after the Clay Thompson injury, uh, that was devastating to see. And then Lamelo Ball falls, quote unquote, to number three in Charlotte. If you're a Charlotte fan, I'm not sure 
if anyone is listening that is a Charlotte fan. But you gotta you gotta feel happy with Ball falling here at three. Yeah, that's a good get. I mean, don't they have Devontae Booker there or something like that? Or De- Devontae Graham, that's it. I'm thinking of uh, that's Booker, right, yeah. Devin Booker. Uh, Devontae Graham out of what it will be his now second year. And so you kind of pair the two of them together and then you can mix in Terry Rozier, uh, assuming he's still there. I haven't seen that he moves, but he kind of travels around like with the wind. So, I mean, I'm not sure where he's playing this year, but... Like between Lamelo and, and Graham, like that's a decent like setup to something that could potentially happen. But then you like realize it's you know Charlotte, and then like all your hopes and dreams kind of fade. Um, <laughs> yeah, Lamelo, he's probably the best out of the the three. A, eh? I think coming coming up, you think he's better than Lonzo at this point. And also, wasn't he hasn't he been playing with men the past couple of years? So. Yeah, he was playing in Australia there uh, in the in their league, professional league down under for, for last season. And yeah, I think of the three, you'd think that Ball probably has the best potential uh, to become, quote-unquote, a superstar of those three we just mentioned. Yeah, very interested to see. Uh, in terms of the Raptors' case, they took a guard, Malachi Flynn, at 29. Uh, I thought originally that might be some sort of an insurance policy in case they lost Fred Van Vliet to free agency to pair him alongside Lowry, uh, but we'll get to free agency in just a second. But uh, Malachi Flynn, from all accounts, seems to be a pretty productive guard and uh, can shoot the lights out from all the highlight videos that I saw there on draft night. Yeah, that wouldn't be the worst thing if he could be like a steady three guy because you, you kind of need to be able to space for Pascal Siakam somehow if they're going to continue down the road. And I, I know the debates have kicked off with the Raptors fans at least about if Pascal's going to be a long-term guy in that team. But as long as he's there, you kind of need something to spread the floor because it seems like when the the Raptors were at their worst, it was Pascal didn't have space. Kyle didn't have space and and then they couldn't generate anything. But if Fred can kind of distribute with Kyle once again this year and they add someone down the road that when Kyle leaves, assuming Fred sticks around, it's still able to stretch the floor if you're going to keep Pascal on the fold as well. So it it kind of opens things up for him, hopefully, if this Malachi Flynn can bomb it from three. Does he remind you guys of Blake Griffin? Not in how he plays, but how he looks. He looks like Blake Griffin. (laughs) You see that? (laughs) A little bit, yeah. That's all right. I guess. That's all I got to add. Like, I, he looks like Blake Griffin. <laughs> He's got like, the same skin tone. <laughs> God damn. That's insight. You're not getting uh, that anywhere else. No, you're not. You get the player comparisons. Not how they play, but how they look. I'm looking at a photo of him with hair because there's a couple photos on there with, with him pretty skinned head. Yeah. And uh, I can definitely see where you're going with that there, Corey. I can definitely see that. Yeah, no, that's, that's just what I got to add. Lance kind of wrapped or summed it up as best as I was going to. So I thought I'd come at it with a different angle. That's yeah, good. That's that. what you're here for, my friend. That's what you're here for. Also, so after the draft, we talked about that in the last pod, right away went to free agency. And there was a, a slew of moves, not a lot of big name targets like we talked about last time. Uh, but I'll, I'll start things off with you, Lance. What are some one or a few of these free agency moves that we have listed here that really stood out that you think that could make their specific team a lot better heading into next year? Oh, like the one, well, I guess I I really liked all the max contract extensions that happened, like the re-signing wise. I I really liked De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento. It's just a matter of whether or not he's going to get enough to, to make a go of it in Sacramento. I mean, Buddy Heald seems to be, trending but uh in any case having Darren Fox there uh, he's just a guy I really like that doesn't get a lot of run but I think the biggest name that kind of came out of free agency was Gordon Hayward going to going to Charlotte I mean Charlotte's Charlotte's up and coming I mean they get LaMelo and then they go and Charlotte signs Gordon Hayward four years 120 mil and it's like if Gordon Hayward can stay healthy he quickly changes the entire dynamic of of the Hornets does he not I would definitely think so. Uh, like you mentioned, the, the guard play with, with Graham and Ball and Malik Monk is still there, a young guy they drafted a few years ago. Um, a, a three, a small forward in Hayward who, 
at his prime was like a 22, 23 point a game scorer in Utah. Hopefully, after his last couple of years in Boston, getting healthy and whatnot, this is the time where he can come back. And if he is, if he is a 20 point a game scorer, you're right. It changes everything because then you also got another young guy in, in PJ Washington, a, a forward that can space the floor, probably lacking more front court depth, but things are, mm-hmm. things are definitely looking up for Charlotte, which definitely did not see that coming. They probably had to overspend. By about 20, 25 mil. I think the the rumor mill was he was getting a little less than a mil, uh, 100 million on his deal. And, and Charlotte decided to overpay a little bit and, and get him in their fold. Yeah, we've seen team like, I mean, for prime example, the Raptors had to do that for years and they still kind of do to some extent, do they not? I mean, we, we look at them trying to get guys in in years past before the championship and the, the common thought after every conversation was, well, yeah, they had to overpay, but. They had to overpay, but, and I mean, some teams, that's what you have to do. And if you're able to do it and you can afford to overpay, then, then it really doesn't hurt you in the long run. So if Charlotte feels that they can make the overpay work in their system, then it works. The other one that we were talking about off air that I think might be sneaky good is Aaron Baines to the Raptors. Like, I actually don't think this is, like, for a lot of people, he's kind of a no-name, but, like, in Phoenix, when DeAndre Ayton went down for extended periods of time throughout the year, like, Aaron Baines was actually good, but he's he's not the distributor that Marcus Gasol is. He doesn't see the game that way, but he provides a presence and size. It's just, is he going to be, like, Jonas Valanciunas, when he was towards the end where he was kind of falling out of favor or will he be like in Phoenix where he can easily chip in offensively and pick up double digit rebounds? Yeah. Well, I, I liked what the, uh, the Lakers have been doing just like the small, uh, depth signings. I like that. They went out and got Marcus Saul, a guy that's been there, done that. They re-signed KCP. Like, I think this could be LeBron's most deep team question mark what you guys think like i don't know the heat they didn't have any depth in in cleveland mm-hmm. kind of a similar story he's got the star beside him there in davis and now he's got like i don't know mark gasol is whatever option he is right like i think he's got a lot more options guys coming off the bench that can actually play like ooh, the lakers look scary yeah they're definitely uh adding to the i'd say the offensive firepower they probably lost a little bit of defense uh in terms of dwight howard leaving and uh, Rajon Rondo leaving in the backcourt. Uh, Avery Bradley left as well. So they've lost a little bit of their depth that I, I would say kind of carried them. Not carried them is the wrong word, but uh, supported LeBron and Davis there in the title run. But bringing back KCP was a great uh, signing, and he definitely earned his money in the playoffs and in the, in the bubble as well. So that was good to see from him. Uh, three points I just want to make quickly about Aaron Baines, like you mentioned there, Lance. One – He's good for some screening. He's a big body, and he's going to uh, set a real solid screen for Lowry mm-hmm. and Fred Van Vliet and, and whatnot. Two, he's a big body to fill in for Gasol. That's going to be key and, and playing alongside potentially uh, Siakam at the four. And uh, finally, he's not quite Corey Bacoskis shooting-wise, uh, but they did have a game last year where he hit nine threes. And uh, that put him on the map if you ever play fantasy basketball. That was a, a pretty good week for Mr. Baines. Yeah, he, he offers, a, a, again, kind of the spacing aspect for the offense that maybe Mark Gasol didn't offer. But, I mean, Mark also brought a lot of other intangibles along with what was on the court to his game. But uh, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't mention Wes Matthews getting a one-year deal with the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm-hmm. That was that was headline news all the time. Yeah, I mean, uh, you guys mock my list of, of free agent names on here, but uh, Wes Matthews is an important part. He's going to provide a, a lot of depth there, playing a, a similar role to KCP, being a guard defender, 3 and D guy, uh, replacing Rondo and Bradley and guys like that. So it's an added depth for the Lakers. What can I say? <laughs> Yeah, just added some depth to our uh, our podcast today, so I appreciate Wes Matthews very much. (laughs) Thank you for the content. Uh, A couple other points I quickly want to mention. I personally, I think the Hawks, Atlanta Hawks, did really well uh, signing Gallinari there out of OKC. Pretty reasonable deal, Mm -hmm. just over twenty mil a season. They got Rondo, like I mentioned, left Lakers to go to Atlanta. Uh, Chris Dunn, another guard from Chicago, formerly to provide some defense, and then also. 
signed the RFA there, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who was supposed to be going to Milwaukee in a crazy fallout trade. He didn't end up making it to Milwaukee. He signs an offer sheet with the Hawks, and uh, the Hawks paid right, and the, the Kings decided not to match. So he's on his way to Atlanta. Uh, big moves happening with Atlanta. Uh, you got Trey Young. You got John Collins. Clint Capella's there from a trade last season with the Rockets. This team, in my opinion, is playoffs or bust. Like, they have to get there with this amount of talent. Uh, and really good players that I didn't even mention. Like, they're young guys they drafted last year in uh, DeAndre Hunter and uh, Herter as well, a guard. So it's just crazy the amount of good young players in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, yeah. Atlanta, I think it is safe to say that they'll make playoffs. It's just how much success they're going to have. Like I, I've thought about who their success hinges on more at this point. Is it more on John Collins or is it on Trey Young? Because like Trey gets a lot of the love, but like when you watch John Collins play, he's just a different dude. Like he's just built different. And what he adds to a team is what every single team in the NBA kind of looks for and not many have. And so it's, it's like, I, I don't know who it hinges on more, but if they're both healthy, if they both play a full season, like, yeah, a- Atlanta like could reasonably push for even like a top four. In yeah. The conference, I really. think so. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Right, that's all I got. <laughs> you go. <laughs> Um, no, yeah. uh, <laughs> I agree though, Lance, like it, it's, um, they, the scenario is all set up for them to really do some damage in the East. I know Brooklyn's going to get better. Uh, the Raptors are going to be there. The Celtics are going to be there. Who knows about the 76ers? That's a different question, but, uh, there's some room around the, the top to the middle of that Eastern conference for Atlanta to make some noise. Two questions I want to quickly throw at you guys in terms of free agency. You mentioned the max contract extensions. Lance, you mentioned how much you like De'Aaron Fox. Is there another player or Corey of the five that I have listened there? Uh, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, Brandon Ingram. Is there one that is going to prove to be almost like a steal? Like, is there another level to one of those guys that we haven't seen yet uh, who's going to, you know, develop even more? I mean, they're great players, but there's might be potentially more to give. And secondly, you talked about the Raptors potentially overpaying for free agents in years past. Uh, Fred Van Vliet's deal, four years, $85 million. Do you think the Raptors overpaid for Fred. We'll start with Corey. What's your, your two answers there? I'm going to say Jason Tatum. I think he's done a lot so far in his young career, but I think as Boston starts to build around him and they get, you know, hopefully in the future they get him another star or two, I think the ceiling is just going to grow higher and, you know, hopefully talk about championships. Or I'm sure he would obviously like that in the future. And, and you know, I think he's just going to be playing better high-level basketball that's going to make him better. And Fred Van Vliet, uh, I don't think it's an overpayment. I think you got to think about what's going to be happening with Lowry next season and whether you re-sign him after or not. He could very well be, uh, Van Vliet could be the, the starting point guard on a top East team um, in the Raptors in, in, in a year or two. So uh, I think he's still got a lot of room to grow. So I, I think, especially on the back half of that deal, it's going to be a lot more worth it. Yeah, like there's really no max contract extension that happened that I can't understand. I would say out of, for example, the five that you listed, Colby with Fox, Mitchell, Tatum, Adebayo, and Ingram, I'm the least excited by Brandon Ingram just because of what the other four can do and how they can basically – carry momentum in a game in in a minute and, and we've seen it from all of them and, and i mean bam at a bio might be one that will just never stop paying dividends potentially for miami um we know how much i like utah last year before the season even started i bet them to win the conference and then the lakers happened but but i really like what donovan mitchell does in utah like he, he him and just his presence like the, the way that he carries himself every single game and the way that he almost kind of wills teams to wins every now and then. I mean, we're starting to see that out of a lot of these younger guys in the league where they're literally just pushing teams to wins. Like, Phoenix is going to be exciting to watch simply because Booker, like, is going to pop off more often than not. So it's just like, with a lot of these young guys, you can say that. But, yeah, anyway, like, all the max contracts, out, I, I, I have a hard time picking one, essentially. I don't know if the Fred deal is an overpay. 
I guess the fact that I'm hesitating to comment makes me think it might be, but I only say that because you don't really contract. Like at first it is, and you can't really assess if it's going to be an overpayment, but when it gets into like the last three, two years of a deal, that's when people start noticing when contracts are either overpays or underpays. And so if you look at the way the league's going, like do we think the cap is going to go up considering what's happened around COVID? Like, it seems like there's not going to be a whole lot of movement there and more money to spend each and every year like we've seen in years past where you can expect the cap to go up. So, I mean, you're, you're basically trying to forecast if he's going to play relevant to the cap. And I, I don't know. Like, it, it's hard to say because it's hard for me to really believe in Fred carrying the full load of a team, you know? No, it's a good point about the uh, you know the last end of a deal, kind of matching it up with people in that realm. I totally understand that. I think in my case, I I think it's a, pretty fair on both sides. To be honest, I think early talks. We were talking even you know a few months back that Fred might command a hundred million dollars from a team like the Knicks or the Pistons or somebody that might overpay for a guard. And uh, the fact they got it to eighty five. Some experts say they could have got it maybe under 80, but for what Fred has brought to this franchise as an undrafted guy, he has definitely earned his money. Uh, He has bet on himself time and time again as an undrafted guy, and he's earned his role, and he's a fantastic player with or without Lowry. That's the key point. He can play off the ball. He can play on the ball when Lowry's off the court. I think he's a a great blend, and he's going to fit in very well if and when Lowry leaves the team uh, in the next year or so, uh, teaming up with young guys like Siakam, uh, Ananobi, and the like. So I I like the deal. In terms of the max contract extensions, I kind of disagree with you, Lance. I think Ingrams could be very sneaky in the fact that uh, playing with Zion, playing with Lonzo, uh, you move on from Drew Holiday. The, The youth era has officially kind of kicked off. You got Steven Adams. He's another, another big body down low, which doesn't hurt. You got two of the strongest guys in the league now with Adams and Zion on the block. Uh, but the, the scoring prowess of, of Ingram and the growth he took from year two to year three from Los Angeles to New Orleans mm-hmm. was remarkable. And, you know, he won uh, most improved and his, his scoring improved by the dozens. And I just think he's got more room to grow. People compared him right out of college to Kevin Durant. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be Kevin Durant, but I can definitely see a pattern where he's a one or a two on a legit championship contender. I think the skills are all there for him. Yeah, I think what you said about Zion might be why I perceive it that way, the way that I do, just because like when you look at for example, even just this list, like, I mean, maybe outside of Donovan Mitchell, you can pretty well say that each and every one of those guys is going to be carrying their teams down the road. And maybe because Zion's also with Ingram that I don't see that out of like Ingram the same way as I would the other guys, but it's a good point. Like, like, and he's one of those guys that I feel like, like Ingram, you had to give a max contract. So it's, it's not like you're debating whether or not you, you should, because I feel like it's completely warranted and necessary, but I think just on like the role that you're going to have within the team, I just think they're more defined and more integral in those other spots than than with Ingram, considering he has Ball and he'll have Zion and whatever else they add down the road. No, it's a good point, and uh, I could definitely see that side as well. Uh, a couple other points. We'll quickly wrap up basketball uh, in this way. LeBron re-ups in Lakerland. Two years, $85 million today. Uh, basically sets himself up to play, potentially, with his son, Bronny Jr., in the year 2023. I know it seems like a long time away, but uh, it is 2020, albeit. And uh, hopefully, by that time, the, the rules have changed which might allow high school players to enter the pros directly. Something that's been missing since I believe 2005, I want to say might've been the last high school to the pro player, uh, but I could be mistaken about that. And uh, last but not least, the Christmas day schedule has been released officially and um, on the docket, five games in total Pelicans heat starts it off. Warriors bucks, net Celtics, Mavs Lakers, the primetime game there on Christmas day and last but not least, Clippers Nuggets. Uh, no Raptors, uh, which I can kind of see. I kind of wish they were in there, but I can definitely see why not. Uh, basically, to both those points, gentlemen, anything you want to touch on with those two? 
No, I'm trying to think who you could move out of a matchup for the Raptors. Like the only one that would make more sense to me would be Nets Raptors, but Nets Celtics. Like Celtics just has so much like name presence within the league that it makes sense for them to play. I mean, Clippers Raps wouldn't make a ton of sense. So it's uh, it, it, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, no Raptors, so just another year more or less. Like what's what's happening with the Warriors? Like with Thompson gone. Like, are they going to be back to their winning ways from years ago, or are they going to be a bottom feeder again? Like, I I would say go Raps Bucks from the little rivalry that they've had over yeah. the past couple seasons. It's not a bad play. I think that's a good spot potentially if they were to replace a team. I think uh, with Curry, Draymond, Wiseman, whatever we see of Wiseman, that's a definitely question mark. But uh, him and, and Giannis, I mean, Curry and Giannis, two of the biggest faces in the league. So you, you you probably put those two together. Net Celtics makes sense because the whole Kyrie uh, from Boston to Brooklyn that makes sense. I would have loved to see uh, Nets Warriors personally. Uh, Durant going to Golden State that would have been pretty cool to see. You know, Mavs Lakers a little bit surprising that the Mavs get the primetime game there against Los Angeles. But I mean, Luca and LeBron they've had some great battles last year, and that'll be must see TV. And then, you know, Nuggets had a great run, obviously, in the bubble. They deserve a spot. And the Clippers, with their name power, they deserve a late game as well. So it kind of all makes sense. It's really tough when you only got 10 teams to pick from. Yeah, and it's tricky. I mean, all those teams have top flight faces of the NBA, and the Raptors just don't have that guy. They don't have one that is super marketable across basketball, someone that's, quote-unquote, a face of – of the league, like most of these other teams do to some extent, right? Whether it's, I mean, obviously LeBron or Steph Curry or just the Warriors in general are are at that level where they they carry like similar name power these for this generation as the Celtics do for past generations. And so, yeah, like all all things considering, I'm not stunned that the Raps didn't pick up a, a Christmas Day game this year. No, there you go. Uh, we'll transition on to the NFL side of things. Finally, today, as we record on a Wednesday, Week 12 finally wrapped up a game that was supposed to be played back on American Thanksgiving last Thursday. It was Ravens and Steelers after the whole shit show that was another COVID outbreak within the Ravens and to a smaller extent, the Steelers as well. That game was really tough to watch. No Lamar, no running backs, basically for the Ravens. And uh, I mean, the Steelers get the win. They're still undefeated. They lose uh, linebacker Bud Dupree, though, which was really tough to see uh, to an ACL. Another blow to their defense. But the the whole Ravens debacle, it's crazy how it affects, once again, it affects the Steelers. They overcome it, but it's another you know weekly shift of games, even heading into next week, where there's just so much uncertainty, not to mention the whole 49er situation, which we might get to as well. But the NFL is, is once again in flux with its COVID protocols. Oh, just another week in the NFL, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Like, like what are we doing? I mean, I mean, I get it, but it's just, it was wild to kind of see it play out and then to just get pushed and then pushed and then pushed again. And uh, But, hey, we got a Trace McSorley sighting out of today, so what more could you ask for? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if anybody could be surprised, though. Like, I mean, you look at what happened with the MLB season and what happened throughout that and just the amount of teams that had to postpone games. Like, I mean, I think they're lucky that they even got the game in on the week. Like, ooh, could you imagine a doubleheader in the NFL? Like, Steelers got to go Friday, Friday, Monday night or something. Oh, my God. Oh, keep those pads fresh, like I guess. Point, but, isn't um, that, like, a legitimate punishment to put in for a team? It's like, okay, you don't care. <laughs> Here you go, Friday, Monday. Enjoy your enjoy your week. Like, <laughs> at some point that because they, they pushed this game back an extra six days. It was almost a week after it was supposed to go. Like, what are we doing? Well, exactly. It pushed the uh, the Ravens game, which was supposed to be tomorrow against the Cowboys for Thursday night football. That's now a Monday. I believe there's three games. I believe on Monday. Or maybe two. I, I don't know if I'm mistaken on that, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a shit show, and it's crazy. And the fact that the Denver Broncos had to play a game without an active quarterback on their roster was, one, an absolute tire fire of a game, but, B, I could not stop watching to see what that wide receiver turned quarterback could do in a game. It was unbelievable. Only 2020 could create something like this. Yeah, yeah that was, oh, my. 
Oh my, I feel bad for poor Kendall Hinton. By the way, just to clarify, the Cowboys and Ravens will play on Tuesday. Washington will play the Steelers on Monday, and then the Bills play the Niners at night on the Monday Nighter. But um, but yeah, like how in the world? Like, so you can justify pushing back a team six days. Like, I understand it's Baltimore, it's Lamar, it's a bigger game, it's a rivalry. But then you're just like, hey, Denver, here you go. Like, you don't have a quarterback. Like, they, they couldn't even have the decency to just be like, hey, we'll schedule this on week 18 if it's necessary. Like, if you need it, if you need to play it, then we'll play it week 18. Like, it's just how this made any sense. It was basically just saying, hey, New Orleans, here you go. Have another win. I'm just trying to think, like, could you imagine we hit 2021 and the NHL gets going and then the Montreal Canadiens hold a goalies-only meeting and there's an outbreak yeah. and it's like, well, we don't have any goalies, so uh, are we are we playing the Senators tomorrow or like, is Nick Suzuki strapping Literally. up? Or, like, Literally. <laughs> yeah, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's like playing a game of Mighty Mike no, and everyone just rotates, putting on the pads every period. Like, <laughs> like it's literally the same thing. Like it's yeah, it's an absolute joke. And then, and then they put it on TV. Like they put the game on the TV for people to watch. They were like, "Hey, our league's doing really well. Here's Kendall Hinton." Like, shout out Kendall Hinton, by the way. Like this guy did not deserve this at shout all. Shout him out. But you know, he 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 did his best. He did better than I would, guaranteed. Well, yeah. Oh God, like. <laughs> I would have been shitting my pants, like, coming up from the practice roster. There was people within the organization who didn't even know who this guy was come Sunday. Like, it's just an unbelievable story all around. And, uh, yeah, so hopefully they get some quarterbacks back for their uh, next matchup, which, again, none other than the Kansas City Chiefs. So good luck there, Denver. That's going to be... Quite a roll. Um, Derek Henry, a guy who's on a roll himself, he is uh, just running like a man possessed right now. He is taking over in these November, December games. Tennessee is eight and three. They face off against the eight and three Cleveland Browns come week 13, which uh, should be one of the better games on the slate there. Titans, though, they're looking good. Tannehill doesn't have to play super great when you got big boy Henry just crowning them on the goal line. Yeah, it's probably for the best because Tannehill's kind of a wet blanket. Like, I just – I don't like Tannehill, mainly because I have A.J. Brown on my fantasy team. But, like, oh, Tannehill. But uh, anyway, I also don't really care for the Cleveland Browns. I think that they are uh, – they're just winning the games they're supposed to win, which is – yeah, there's something to be said mm-hmm. for that. But, like, for example, the Titans and Colts came into this past week with the exact same record, and the Colts got absolutely punished for the majority of that game. I would not be surprised to see the exact same scenario happen again this week where the Titans are like, wait a second, we're not the same teams. We're we're not an, a, an equal eight and three. And then Tennessee just runs it down Cleveland's throat. That would not surprise me at all. Oh, it's going to happen. Derrick Henry's going to have a field day against him. Yeah, he might. He might. The only thing that I might hesitate about, about the Cleveland offense compared to the uh, Colts offense, is that Cleveland's running backs – are real good, and they are damn good at running the ball. And I, I 100% agree that this will be a running matchup between Henry and Chubb and Hunt from Cleveland. Uh, both defenses aren't that good as well, so that could be even more of a reason they're just running it down each other's throats. And it could be a, a 35-31 game where Henry has three touchdowns again, and who, who really knows? But the thing with Cleveland is like – like you barely beat Jacksonville, you barely beat the Eagles, you barely beat the Texans, and you're eight and three. Like, shut up! No one cares. You're not eight and three. Not, you're not actually. Like, like you should have punished the Jags and the Eagles for that matter, and you almost lost both of them. You beat the Texans by a field goal. Like, I'm just, I'm trying to wrap my head around. And we talked about this last week. It was like the two big ones they lost were one to the Ravens, one to the Steelers. They gave up a combined 76 points in two games, and they scored 13. Like, this team's just not good. I feel like you go on the, t- the Twitter of, like, the Cleveland Browns and just trash their fans. I should. <laughs> but, like, I also feel bad for them. Your team's not they good. They don't deserve all the pain and suffering they've had in Cleveland. Like, they just don't deserve that. So, so I feel bad for their fans no, at the at same all. time. Like, there's, there's pieces to like. Like, <laughs> like Baker... 
I don't, I don't know. Like Baker's just to me, he's likable because he's kind of an asshole. Like he, I, I kind of like him for that reason. But like <laughs> Miles Garrett's incredible defensive end. Like they, they got a lot of great guys. Kind of like I, I mean, whatever OBJ is. But like I, I just I like some of these guys, but they're just not good. That's just the fact. They're not a good team. Like we we all have forgotten apparently about Kareem Hunt and what his past looks like too. Like I, I'm just what happens in Cleveland. I don't understand. No, I, well, now you're bringing off the field issues, which I know is very important, but in terms of the uh, the winning, that comes on the field, right? Well, sure, but it's like, like this team is just, like when I look at it from a fan standpoint, it's like, yeah, they just want to win, but I'm like, I also just want them to have good stories. Like, like I can't look at this 8-3 and three and think it's a good story because I look at how their season's gone on the field, and it's like, okay, you're just, you're simply beating teams that years ago you somehow couldn't beat, but like now you're getting past them. You know, it's like I, I don't know. I, I just I don't understand Cleveland. I don't like don't like them as an eight and three team, <laughs> and I hope they don't make playoffs. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Lance wants them to win. That was but my he next wants question. Him to win. He wants them to win Lance's way. <laughs> They're not winning the right way for well, Lance. <laughs> It's the not, Patriot it's way. Bad. It's just like you can't look at that and tell me they're good. <laughs> like you can't. Oh, uh, so okay. So you said you you hope they don't make the playoffs. In your logical brain, do you think they make the playoffs? Um, no. Oh. <laughs> I hope they go to the AFC Championship that's, game. That's I really do. Not happening. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just I think uh, Corey. Do you lot. think they make the I playoffs? Well, yeah, how's their schedule look? Like, they, I'm guessing they got to eventually play some tough teams. Well, they play the Titans here in week 13. Then they get Baltimore next, uh, next I'm week looking. week 14. And they wrap up their season against the Steelers. They do. So, like... Yeah. And they're in the they're in the first wild card. And they play the too? Giants. Giants yeah. and Jets in the middle there. Yeah, who can... Yeah, I'm, no, I'm saying they make the play. All right, they're in the first wild card spot right now, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, no, I'm 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 gonna go against Lance. I think they're winning the right way. They're winning <laughs> the games they need to, Stop and it. that's they're a not good winning thing. The right Lance. Way. They're winning the right way. They get touchdowns and they don't give up touchdowns, and then they win games, <laughs> and that is all that matters. They win the right way. <laughs> no, I'm saying I'm saying playoffs for the Browns. Screw it. I think so too. I think they're getting a ten wins with those two uh, New York teams. They'll win those. And then uh, we'll see what happens with the rest of their schedule. But that'd be pretty, pretty crazy. One team that we don't know is going to get a victory in here in 2020 is the uh, New York football Jets. Boys, you see their schedule on the page here. This still looks very difficult to, uh, to win one. Do you see either the Raiders, Seahawks, Rams, Browns, or Patriots messing up and letting them get the, a, a victory? Or are they going to become the second team to go winless? Oh, I see one. No, don't you friggin' say it, dude. Don't you December 27th, week 16 against the Browns. <laughs> yeah. I knew he was going there. I see there. it happening. I, oh, it, it, it's it's okay. still Cleveland already. Like, it just shapes up to be the most Cleveland thing ever. That they're going to lose to the Jets and then have to win against the Steelers in the final week and then lose that one and miss playoffs. I can already see it. <laughs> Oh, that's a story. <laughs> I kind of want that to happen now. <laughs> oh. oh, we're gonna rack this back for sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they win a game personally. I, I think uh, even with Josh Jacobs banged up there for the Raiders, I think Derek Carr could do enough to to get them a dub. Seahawks have been the Seahawks really good. Rams are obviously really good there in the uh, NFC West and the Patriots. Uh, I mean, to me, that might be the most questionable game in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that could be too. I mean, the Patriots kind of stink, but then I, like they seem to maybe have turned a corner. I don't know. They beat Arizona, who's not like bad, and they beat the Ravens, who like are bad. So, so maybe, maybe the Patriots are coming. Maybe I don't know. Here we go. Uh, like, yeah, the Jets are obviously not doing good this year. Like, has, what's Sam Darnold been like? Obviously, he hasn't been great, but like, is there is his career been stunted forever is he still like still kind of a rookie with some promise or like a young well, guy the dude the dude's been injured for probably three four weeks now like they had joe flacco in for many weeks and you haven't been even been able to see what Darnold can do and god like for such a high prized 
rookie prospect coming out of college, he's really taking a dip. Like he is, uh, he's behind. I think in his his progression for sure, and it's quite a shame because Adam Gase is just. He ruined what was a couple of years there of Love Bell, and potentially he's ruining Darnold in the same way. Yeah, it's tricky because, I mean, we get so caught up in expecting that a quarterback comes into the league, lights it up, and that's just kind of how it goes. Like, we get caught up in that in every sport now with younger and younger players seeming to make a bigger and bigger impact. I don't know if it's completely on Sam Darnold because, like, who does he have to play football around him, more or less? Like, they haven't really ever insulated him with any kind of talent that, like, like, they brought him Frank Gore. Like, no shade to Frank Gore, but, like, he's probably there to be more of a mentor than anything and be like, here's what I've seen over the course of time. Like, try and help Sam out with a few things because, yeah, you haven't seen him much, but when you did see him so far this year, I'm pretty sure he had, like, three touchdowns and eight picks. And Joe Flacco was better. So it's like... Like, there's something going on there where I just don't know that he's even feeling just the comfort from the team. And part of that's probably just because they threw him in and expectations were high immediately on the guy. It's crazy. No, I mean, uh, like I said, Darnold hasn't been good when he's been in there. And he hasn't been good the last year or so. So it's it's uh, really interesting to see if they do fall to that, you know, 0-16 record. Will Trevor Lawrence, A, come out of college and and want to play for the Jets? Because that might be a whole debacle we might get into uh, later in the, in the year. So that could be a very interesting narrative. Last couple things we'll touch on NFL-wise. I'll just kind of quickly run through these. Uh, San Francisco 49ers don't have a home for three weeks. They are now moving to Arizona because the, uh, the county of Santa Clara has declared no outside activities in the area for those three weeks. So they are moving to Arizona. DK Metcalf of the Seahawks had himself a fantastic game. Uh, 10 catches for 177. And he was kind of sparked by defensive coordinator for the Eagles, Jim Schwartz's comments, saying that I've seen, I coached Calvin Johnson, a.k.a. Megatron, and you're not there yet. And he came back and said, I did not take kindly to those comments. And uh, it was really good uh, in that game there on Monday night. Uh, Will Fuller got suspended for six games because of a performance-enhancing substance. When the guy's healthy and not injured, he's a fantastic player, but now he's uh, he's out for six games. So that's a bummer uh, for Texans fans. They're not like they're making the playoffs anyway, so really no harm, no foul there. And uh, that Mahomes-Tyreek Hill connection there was absolute money against Tampa there on Sunday. My goodness, Hill for over 200 yards in the first quarter alone, completely cooking the DB there for Tampa. It was a, it was a masterpiece. Mahomes was throwing like fire, and uh, the Chiefs come away with a big victory against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Uh, any tidbits or notes you want to add to those points there, gentlemen? What performance-enhancing substance only gets you six games? <laughs> like, is it even a performance-enhancing <laughs> substance? Like, the only time I've heard of, a, like, a PED get somebody suspended, it's either, like, forever or, like, a year or two. Like, I don't know. Yeah, but this is also the same league that let a team play without a fucking quarterback. So what are we talking about? True. <laughs> like, I just... <laughs> It, it, it was basically they just picked a time out of the hat and it just came up six games. They're like, hey, sorry, man, that's luck. Like, yeah, I know you're cheating and disgracing the integrity of the game, but like eh, six games will do you. It wasn't even just him either. I think it was cornerback Bradley Roby got six games, too, for the same deal. Mm. He did, yes. So, like, they should find a like a new nutritional person in their personal lives or whatever the heck they're doing. Because clearly the one they got wasn't working. Also, the Browns oh boy. Have made the, never a dull moment. The Browns have really not made the playoffs in eighteen years. That was the stat I pulled. I believe it was two thousand two. Oh, yes. Okay. You know what? Like, I kind of feel bad. Like, I feel really bad now. I kind of want Cleveland to make. Yeah. It. Yeah. You've been an ass. Be, you've been really you, mean. You can't tell me that you don't take like joy in seeing some teams be consistently bad forever. Like, there's there's some part of you that kind of has to find that enjoyable. No, just yeah. me. Am I the only one? Like the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, kind of, yeah. Like, it's fun to, like, just watch them wallow in misery every single playoff run. Like, part of that's just, I don't know, it's it's a sick part of my brain that I kind of enjoy. And so it's like, 
I kind of want this streak to just not end. I want to see how long they can go without making playoffs. Like, like how the Tigers haven't sent somebody to the World Juniors for over a decade. Like, I kind of want to see that, <laughs> see how long it goes because it's it's a streak and streaks. <laughs> I want them to run forever. So uh, I'm torn. I just feel bad for Cleveland Browns fans, man. I just, I really do. Well, if we've learned anything from the Undertaker's WrestleMania streak, is that no streak lasts forever. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> didn't have to bring up the Undertaker, dude. Come on. Yeah, that was even more oh. sad. Oh, what a great career from the dead man. Well, we'll transition to some hockey stuff. Oh, God, uh, I think them. Corey will be pr- pr- pretty wow. uh, intrigued with this stuff. We'll start. <laughs> we'll start in the NHL. The league is still planning to start up operations in early January. Uh, we kind of we talked about that in the last couple pods. Potentially January fifteenth is kind of the date that's been they've been circling. Uh, Batman, I believe, did some statements earlier today that talked about how the uh, the Players Association is not trying to renegotiate the CBA agreement. So that's kind of big news on their end. Um, kind of a little bit of back and forth debate in terms of uh, escrow and, and, and money-related stuff that it's way above my grade, so I'm not going to kind of get into that. But uh, in terms of on-the-ice stuff, uh, Tampa Bay is re-signing defenseman Mikhail Sergachev to a three-year deal worth $4.8 million AAV. Uh, so that's nice to... Uh, to lock up their young defenseman. And uh, Johnny Boychuk, other defenseman there, formerly of the New York Islanders, uh, has unfortunately had to end his career due to a scary eye injury that happened uh, last year, I believe, against the Montreal Canadiens, uh, catching, I believe it was a puck or was it a stick in the eye, guys? I think it was a puck. Yeah, so uh, tough stuff there for Boychuk. Uh, any tidbits you guys want to add to that one? Sergeyev uh, deal is a steal. Oh, yeah. Um, that's huge. Like, you need, I don't know, like, you need, I don't know when it changed, but you need those young guys to come in at cheap deals if you want to keep a dynasty, like what happened in Chicago for so long. And whatever happened in Toronto is just flip the whole league. So, like, to have a guy like Sergachev to, you know, he could easily have gotten six, seven on a normal year. But because of COVID and the, the limited cap and they just want a cup like he for him to lock in at three three years at that deal that's that's huge for Tampa Bay yeah it's basically the exact same deal except save an, an extra year on on Sergeyev's deal but like it's basically the same as Tony D'Angelo signed for and would you rather have Mikhail Sergeyev or Tony D'Angelo like I'd personally rather have Mikhail Sergeyev my well, boy yeah. Tony well, the, for all the off-ice things as well, too. <laughs> okay, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why I'd rather have Mikhail Sergachev. Um, yeah. It's but, like, from a purely... <laughs> Tony's a freaking hothead. He's just a like, meathead. He's a different doc, that guy. <laughs> but, like, they're essentially the exact same deal. Both are on a cap hit of 4.8 AV. Um, you get the extra year on Sergachev, who's, like, a couple years younger than D'Angelo. So it's like, man, this is just... This has steel written all over it. This has... Tampa Bay just written all over the deal. It's just such a Tampa thing to do is get a guy for a better term on the same price as comparable deals in the league and, uh, and have the better player. It's like just so Tampa. Yeah. And I think, so he's three years in and so that'll put him another three years. So I think he'll be a UFA coming out of that. So they probably came up with a deal that's like, Hey, you know, take a little less right now, and then when you hit free agency, you'll go cash in with some other team for like ten million a year or something. <laughs> It'll probably work for both parties. One of the cap issues, or not the cap issues, but the um, kind of the benefits of playing and living in Florida is the the tax exemption and and the lack of tax that is taken off of a player's contract, similar to the Stamkos deal uh, that he signed a few years back, and and just all these players signing in Florida get a little bit of a break when it comes to their own personal taxes. So that probably came into the lightning's favor on that deal. Uh, in terms of the WHL, kind of a little bit of a news came their way yesterday in the form of a John Shannon tweet, formerly of Sportsnet. Uh, he tweeted that he was hearing plans for the WHL to start up in early January. That might change because they were having meetings yesterday, uh, being Tuesday, and they might push the start date back to closer to February. Uh, so that would be a change to the potential January 8th start date that was originally planned for the dub. Um, 
you guys probably agree with that with everything going on at least here in the uh in the western prairies and the provinces uh covid wise probably safer to bump that back maybe a tad yeah like i don't know now that it's getting worse it's like because we like they kept pushing it back in the summer when things were like comparatively still all right like things the numbers weren't too high but now that it's just accelerating at a ridiculous level like things we've like it's been worse than we've ever seen like i don't i don't know how you do it i i, I don't know if it happens I, at all i don't know maybe i need to be more optimistic but no i'm kind of with you i mean did anyone like really believe in that january start date though like like in your heart of hearts did you look at the situation and all the unknowns and be like we're definitely playing in january cuz cuz i wasn't there and i admittedly been there before where i've been in conversations with people and and they're kind of getting geared up for january and looking towards that target date and getting ready for for hockey and the tigers to get back and i'm like i i hate to be the bearer of bad news but like my personal feeling just isn't that it's gonna happen because i don't know logistically how you how you can make it happen in in good conscience considering like these are kids you know like they're they're not getting massive million dollar contracts to go work a job that is just so happening to be playing hockey like the pros are and so the situation is just so much different to that of the nhl that i i don't know i i don't know if it's if it's going to come around because even if you do start in february when you run till may i guess yeah i mean it affects the entire schedule in terms of uh of home dates which really shouldn't matter because i don't think fans are going to be attending uh, many, if at all, of those games to begin with. And I'm in the same boat as you, Lance. I think uh, it's it's tough to really pin down a start date when everything's going on like this. And January seemed a little bit pr- too presumptuous. And, I mean, the Q's had its own battles, and the OHL is trying to find a date there. I believe the last talk was still in February, but that could obviously change as the day passes. And uh, with junior hockey – I mean, in all leagues, I just shouldn't say junior hockey, but the, the players and the staff and everybody is obviously first and foremost with their safety. So uh, we're seeing it with, you know, NBA and their training camp starting up in the last couple of days. Players are, are getting it and it's it's being spread throughout uh, training camps and whatnot. And that's exactly what could happen if the uh, the young men come back from Christmas holidays, get right into a training camp and then are expected to start in the early part of January. Yeah, like I... I, yeah, I won't say January was like I was banking on January, but like I will say January seemed a lot more optimistic in the time when they announced it that you know they came out with more information about the the division schedule and only playing in your con- uh, your province, sorry. And they talked a little bit about what capacity might look like. So at least they had a plan. That was the first time they had a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, things don't look like that anymore and like can we just talk about like these guys aren't professionals like you guys said like these kids are teenage boys like you know if you think that one of them isn't going to sneak out to go see their girlfriend or something or go hang with some other guys like you know it's just i just don't think it's going to happen safely and there's way too many factors for that things could go wrong like what's happening in the queue yeah and that's the last thing you want right like like i know it's almost sacrilegious to wish or believe against hockey in Canada, but it's just like in this situation, I, I just never really understood how it was going to work. I, I mean, even if you do it provincially, like when you just go in and you look at how COVID is handled within a province, it's not even handled as a blanket across the entire area. It's all regionalized. Like, so to, to break it down and break the league into provinces made sense. But at the same time, it's not how things are in reality being handled on the health side of things, where everything's getting handled region per region per region. It's just, I mean, I I hope that the trend turns the other way or that something happens and that they're able to get on the ice and feel confident about it in February. But at least the one thing that I will say is a positive is that they're having conversations about this as a league. They're talking about playing. They're clearly only going to do it when they feel it's safe to do so. And a lot of leagues can't say that. A lot of leagues just want to push the start button across amateur all the way to the pros. They just want to start. They want to do their best to get players on the ice, players on the field, players on the court, and just kind of handle it as it comes. And for what it's worth, the WHL said, you know what? 
we're going to make sure it's safe to do so first. So I, uh, I, I personally can really appreciate that. Hundred percent. No, I couldn't say it better myself. Uh, we'll we'll finally wrap things up here, uh, at least on my side of things, with this uh, Memorial Cup E series that uh, the Canadian Hockey League has put on with all sixty of their uh, their hockey teams. Basically, a player from every team is playing NHL twenty one on the PS four PS five. I don't. They probably not the PS five because that's too new for them, but uh, Lucas Fikoski of our Your Own Medicine at Tigers is representing the Tigers in this little, you know, online tournament. And uh, just looking at the round one schedule uh, that they've started back on the 28th of November, and uh, Lucas did well. He won 7-1 uh, in his inaugural game. So he gets to face off against the uh, Saskatoon Blades, and I'm just looking to see who their player is as I uh, scroll for some time. Rhett Reinhardt. Rhett Reinhardt, okay. Yeah, he spanked Zach Potter. 7-1. Suck it, Zach. (laughs) I don't know. I don't really know Zach. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'll take that back. He seems like a nice guy. But no, they had like, what, four non-players, I think? Yeah, because they had 60 like players for the 60 teams. And then four, Zach Potter was one, I think Sam Cosentino. And then the other two, I don't know. I believe uh, Aaron Ambrose... Oh yeah, and uh, another female as well, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, no. If uh, I should have put this out a lot earlier, but if any CHL team needs a sub, you know, oh, I can God. come in as an overager, <laughs> sign me to a one a one month deal, and I'll I'll take the team to the fucking EMM Cup. I guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> You're disgusting. No. Yeah, no, but I I like this idea. I don't know. I feel like they should have done this a long time ago or like months ago, but um, I don't know. It's something keeps everybody kind of connected and gives your team something to cheer about. I, I guess I don't exactly. know exactly. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, not actually cheer about, but like I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna watch the games, but it's like it's just another one of those like, oh, cool. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know. like it, I think it's just yeah. something for like you know, it, it's it's not for me, and that's okay. Like it's probably for somebody, and well, clearly it is because I think it got sponsored. So like it has to be for somebody um it's just uh, not my thing but in any case hey if you're gonna play in this thing you better win like it's kind of this how it has to be lucas if, if you're gonna go in there i expect seven one beatings every single game now like you set the bar <laughs> too high <laughs> you shouldn't have gotten spanked somebody in the first round poor zach hotter's out here just trying to play with the vancouver giants i think he had he's trying to make <laughs> yeah. things happen and uh and you took him to town so i guess uh, I, that's kind of where the bar's set. Check back in next week and see what uh, Lucas has to offer there against the Saskatoon Blades. I guess in the uh, Telluride division, sponsored by Kia, that is the main sponsor on this E Cup series. Uh, that's going to wrap things up for me, gentlemen. Anything else for your side of things? I think we uh, think we didn't talk enough about Wes Matthews and that one year, three point six million dollar deal to the Lakers. <laughs> I think we can just give that a little bit more. Yeah. Run. Well, I think uh, I think we should start the next week's show with that. I think that's something that's going to be in the news next we should week, have too, so I don't want to use it up too much. Every week, we just give you an update on what yeah. Wes is up to, <laughs> what he's been doing. Yeah. What gyms did he practice at this week? What is Twitter is accounts at? looking like? What he's posting on Instagram? Wes Watt. <laughs> oh, boy. Man, the things I do for the notes section of this podcast. I'll, I'll tell you what, what. Wes <laughs> like, he is now going to be drafted on my fantasy basketball team. He is now one of my favorite <laughs> basketball players of all time. Like, I'm in. I had no clue who Wes Matthews was. <laughs> I am now a fan. For those who don't know, uh, Lance and I are in a fantasy basketball league together. And uh, last year, his team name was Hot Guys. And he tried to draft. I don't know if you did it successfully, but you tried to draft all hot guys. He drafted a bunch of hot guys. (laughs) Davis. He was the hot guy. And now this year, uh, we're starting out. Who was your first? Okay. I I don't remember. I had Bradley Beal. He was a hot guy. He's a hot guy. Did you you not have Hayward? Um. No, I did not. Oh, I did not. oh, Hayward's a hot guy. He, he was too hot. He was too hot for the hot guys. Um, <laughs> I have, I have yeah. Nikola yeah. Vucevic, Kyle Lowry, obviously. I had DeMar DeRozan, obviously. Uh, Rudy Gay. I, no, I, I don't know for, about that one. I don't I know about that one. I traded for Rudy Gay because he was like, he, he was at the top of the hot guy list. <laughs> he, was, he was our number one trade target. So, yeah. I don't know. I thought I had a pretty hot team. 
And now this year, Lance, do you want to reveal to the listeners what your team name is for oh, fantasy basketball? We've pivoted because because the Hawkeyes <laughs> meant that we didn't get to finish the season, so I don't want to know what could have been. So I've retired that team and uh, started a new a new <laughs> franchise called the Ugly Boys. So it's just going to be the ugliest players <laughs> in the NBA. No offense, like I'm not I'm this ain't pot calling the kettle black. I understand my situation, so. Uh, I'm I'm well aware, um, <laughs> which makes me feel like I can confidently lead the Ugly Boys. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to draft night. <laughs> You'll be leading from the front of the pack as opposed I'm, to I will out lead orders from, from the, the front yeah. with uh, with my keepers of Bradley Beal and Andre Drummond. <laughs> they are uh, they're definitely not ugly. So the team is already crumbling. I mean, you're just giving the ugly folks a home. That's well, all you're doing. I mean, like Andre Drummond, I would never say he's ugly because he'll kick my ass, and like Bradley Beal probably would too. So, and I mean, they're both <laughs> on hot guys. I had to keep two players. What can I say? Some people can be ugly and hot. It, it's a thing. You got trade Oh, that's a good you point. Got do that. All right, that's going to wrap things up here tonight on a very interesting episode of On the Board. Thanks so much for uh, downloading and finding us wherever you found us. We greatly appreciate it. You can uh, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash on the board podcast. We're on Twitter as well at on the board pod. Uh, looking forward to another week full of NFL action, whatever that may entail. Uh, we'll see if there's another COVID well, outbreak, uh, which is highly likely, of course. Yeah, yeah. And uh, tune in. Tune in next week when we have Wes oh, Matthews wow, really? on the pod. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if he's a Browns fan. For Lance Dahl, Corey Bukowskis, <laughs> Colby McKee, signing off. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to On the Board. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash on the board podcast. Yes! Yes!